John's Gospel, chapter 5, and the verse 1. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, and if you have a marginal reference in your Bible, it'll be the sheep gate, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of a of whatsoever disease he had. Let, let me stop there for a moment. There's many of the translations of the scriptures that have omitted this verse 4. And it's probably because uh, to do with the ministry of angels. And I don't have any problem with the ministry of angels, nor neither does the Word of God. You may be reading a translation this morning and this verse is not in it. I don't have any problem with the ministry of angels. It was an angel came to the Virgin Mary to announce the birth of Christ. It was an angel came to Zacharias to announce the birth of John the Baptist. It was an angel that came to Peter in the prison in Acts 12. It was the angels that ministered to our Lord when he was in Gethsemane. And on it goes. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, just a matter of interest. Verse 5, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity <clears throat> thirty and eight years. That was before the Lord Jesus was born. Remember, he's just a year into his public ministry, and his public ministry began when he was 30, 33 years of age, or 30 years of age. He's only into his public ministry. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole, or healthy, or perfect? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. It's an awful thing to be dependent on men, isn't it? He says, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. What a disappointment that must have been. Jesus says unto him, Rise, take up thy bed or thy mat. It wasn't a slumberland bed, now let me tell you, or a king size either. It was an old mat, an old dirty mat. Mattress. Take up thy mat, my mattress, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. 
The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. You see where their priorities were. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away in a multitude being in that place. They were targeting him, you see, to kill him. The very first year of his ministry. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. We know that God will bless to us the public reading of his own precious and infallible word. The title for my message this morning is It is Time to Rise Up. It is Time to Rise Up. And I'm taking from my text this text from this fifth miracle of our Lord Jesus in the fifth chapter of John, chapter 5 and verse 6. Where he said to this poor wretched man lying at the pool of Bethesda, paralyzed completely for 38 years, you've been long enough in this condition, paraphrasing what he said, you're long enough in this condition, rise up, take thy bed, thy mattress or thy mat and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, perfect and well. Now this title this morning, it is time to rise, up, to, to rise up, and this text this morning will apply to various people in different ways. I want to apply it a wee moment to those who are still in their sins those who are still unregenerate and unconverted and have never had the experience of the new birth in the Lord Jesus. You've never been to Jesus for the cleansing power. You don't know what it is to live with assurance of heaven and peace with God and joy in your soul. I must speak to you a wee minute first of all. Jesus is passing by here and he's passing by here this morning. And he wants to give you an opportunity to rise up from whatever holds you, whatever hinders you, whatever grips you, whatever keeps you. And maybe some of you are here a long time, a long time in the condition that you're in this morning. 
Well, now is your opportunity to reach out and touch him as he passes by. And you'll be able to sing as we sing so often in the prayer meetings on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. You'll be able to sing shackled by a heavy burden. Neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that filled my soul. Something happened, now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to be able to sing that this morning? Maybe you are saved this morning and you've grown cold. And you're walking afar off. And you don't enjoy the fellowship and the meetings and the prayer meetings and the reading of your Bible as you used to. Something has got in and happened. and Oh, there's so many things to distract us today. Work, family. So many diversions. Things to divert us in these days. Maybe you're afar off this morning. Maybe some of you are a long time. Jesus said to this fellow, you're a long time. 38 years is a long time. I hope there's nobody backslidden for that length of time. It's time for you to come back. It's time for you to renew your vows. It's time for you to be done with whatever's hindering you and keeping you away. Time for you to shake off and get up and rise up and take up and walk out into the blessing that God has for you. And he wants to bless you this morning. He wants to restore you this morning. He wants to give you what's yours. Maybe this text and title this morning applies to the whole jing bang of us. Maybe it applies to every one of us listening, wherever we would be. It's time to rise up. It's time to rise up and stand against the immorality and the infidelity and the idolatry and the hypocrisy that's prevailing our land and our nations and the two nations. It used to be that there's a fear of God in Ireland. There's no fear of God in Ireland now. It's time that we rose up. It's time the evangelical church of believers rose up and took a stand. We're in dark last days. It's time we sent a message to Mr. Brandon Lewis if that's what his name is. That we're not going down the road of this wicked abortion. And he needn't be putting the abortion laws down our throat. And if the crowd in Stormont is going to roll over and say there's nothing they can do, there's things, there's plenty we can do. We can pray. And if you have any interest for the slaying of the 
of the innocent lives and the innocent babes and thousands of them every week. If you have any interest, my friend, we'll not win it. We, you, protest surely. Sign petitions. I'll do that and I'll protest. But I tell you this. First of all, prayer. And if you're really concerned about this awful situation in our province and these gutless people in government, if you're really concerned about them, my friend, we'll go to prayer. Monday and Wednesday and Friday night, come here and stand with us and pray and cry to the God of heaven who will turn the situation. There's nothing short of a heaven-sent Holy Ghost revival that's going to lift anything now. You needn't be looking around the churches, even here. Not going to work. A few years ago, our government a few years ago, our government banned plastic bags because they said that they were going into the hedges and they were killing the snails. And from 1967, they've murdered 9 million children. In 53 years, they've murdered 9 million innocent children in the womb legally. And that grieves my heart. We made the a stand against it. Farmers have thousands of cattle slain every week with TB caused by the badgers. And you hardly could look at a badger, you'll get lifted. Never mind slay them. Our society's fast dissolving. And unless we have a Holy Ghost revival, unless we have a move of the Spirit of God, unless we can rally men and women from all denominations to cry to God, we're finished. And it's time that the church of Jesus Christ come out of our hiding place and come out from duking and scheming under the pretenses of COVID. The candlestick is being removed from the churches and the light, the candlesticks, have been removed from many of the churches. Ichabod, the glory has departed. And let these men and these churches remember that you chose to close. You can brand us as murderers. We have been branded as murderers here because we have kept the church open to preach the word and to see souls saved and people restored. And we have seen all that in the past month, but we are branded as murderers. And let the Lord deal with that. Going back to this man here, let me tell you this morning that this man was a long time, 38 years in this condition. And all the rest of them in this pathetic state. And it says there's a multitude of, of disabled, crippled, blind, lame, halt, withered. A multitude. What must a sight it must have been. Just at the very door of the temple. 
If you have still your Bible open, I want you to set your eyes on verse 1 because I want to say to you that here we have the cause. Here we have the problem in the situation here and the situation today. Look at verse 1 and see what verse 1 says. Verse 1, after this there was a feast of the Jews. Now in Leviticus 23 and Exodus 12, it's called the Feast of Jehovah. But by the time we come into the New Testament, it's the Feast of the Jews. The Holy Spirit does not allow John to call it the Feast of Jehovah, the Feast of Yahweh. Why is that? Man has taken over. The priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious hierarchy have taken it over. They have hijacked the whole business. And it's just a feast of the Jews. God has been relegated from the temple. And that's proved by the fact that twice in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, in three and a half years, twice, he cleansed the temple. He did it a year before this, and he'll do it in two more years before he goes to the cross. Twice. Twice he went into the temple and he scourged them out. And he said, this house is a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. And he upturned, yes, the lovely, gentle Jesus, upturned the tables and said, you're hypocrites. The way the house of God is. And at the beginning of the end, he cleansed it. Because God had been taken out of it. And when we come to Matthew 24, as he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, just before he goes to the cross, a few day, a day or so before he goes to the cross, we read these powerful words. He says to us, says to his disciples, Your house. He says to the, the disciples regarding the Jews, he says, the house, the house, your house is left unto you desolate. It's your house. It's not God's house. And the Lord Jesus walked out of the temple and he took his disciples with him. And he never went back. And he prophesied and he says in the year AD 70, which came... The AD 70 says, Titus, the Roman government will march on Jerusalem and he'll destroy the whole city and the temple and there'll not be one stone left upon another. Well, history tells you that that happened because anything the Lord Jesus said happened, happened. And anything he says will happen, will happen. And the whole place was rubbed to the ground. And what he's saying to his disciples was, get out and stay out. It's full of ritual and tradition. There's a new and there's a living way coming. And this new and living way is going to come through the cross when I die and when I shed my blood and when I suffer on Calvary and I hang there for six hours and I cry, it is finished. It's finished. The old sacrifices are finished. The old temple ritual is finished. All that went on in the years, the bullocks and the goats and the calves and the heifers that were slain day after day for sacrifices for sin, it'll be all finished. There's a new and living way coming. Embrace it. And I believe there's a new and living way coming in the wee window that we have before the Lord comes back. I believe that if the, if the Lord can get his men and can get his women together, that there's going to be blessing 
There's going to be blessing. I say this with sadness this morning. God raised up certain institutions and works and mission halls and denominations in this land. But I believe with some of them, he's finished. He's finished. Northern Ireland scattered with denominations and religious unions and mission halls and works from one end of it to the other. And he used them mightily. But now he's finished with them and they don't even know it. They don't know it. Ezekiel says he brought down the high tree and dried up the green tree. And even though numerically and financially and spiritually these places are being dried up, big monuments of places with a half a dozen in them once a month on Sunday nights, even though they're dried up, they don't even know it. God wants to do a new thing. And God can take a work and he can use a work and he has used works mightily and he can use them and then he can finish with them. And raise up something else. When you put your ear to the ground and you look around you and you'll find what I'm saying this morning is so true. Oh, but we have to keep it going. Our fathers built it. Our children were baptized there. So, my grandfather carried the stones to it. But it happened to be that God's finished with it. What are you going to say? No, we must keep propping it up and we must keep going. We must keep doing. God bless you. But is the Lord in it? Is he in it? Remember King Saul. How many years was it? Thirteen years. King Saul reigned in Israel and he had lost the anointing. He was crowned king and he was giving orders and he was doing all the laws and doing everything else. He was the top guy for all those years. But he had no anointing. He had lost it. God had forsaken him and he didn't know it. And he wouldn't give up. And David, who God had anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost, couldn't get in to do the job. Saul was yesterday's man. David was today's man. But he wouldn't let go of the reins. You see, friend, God wants to do a new thing. He, he wants to do, and I believe that, that the cleansing of the temple, that COVID has been the cleansing of the temple. I believe that this has been the cleansing of, of many churches, and it's not finished yet. And God is separating in these churches all over the place. He's separating men and women who are going to stand. And men and women who are prepared to let the old thing go. God bless us when you see it's not working, let it go. When the horse dies, dismount. 
Get off it. And take your children and your family out of it. And come into somewhere where there's life and liberty and power. And I'm not asking to come here. Come somewhere where God is working. And God is moving. Where you'll enjoy going to the prayer meetings. Where you enjoy coming to the morning and the evening meeting. When it's not a drudgery to go into here ritual, dead men preaching dead sermons to dead people. Oh, for a breath of God. Oh, for the wind of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. This was the state of the sanctuary. And the state of the sanctuary contributed to the state of the people. Second thing in verse 2 and 3 of this chapter is the scene on the streets. The scene on the streets. Thousands on top of thousands of people flocked into Jerusalem to the feast. I believe this to be the Passover feast. The temple and the precincts were saturated with men and women, children and animals. And adjoining the temple and leaned onto the temple is the five porticos of the pool of Bethesda. It was a dirty pool. It was a filthy pool. It was when the sheep went in through the sheep gate, they went into the pool to wash them before they were offered for sacrifice. This was the place the man was looking to get into. And here you are, thousands, I say sometimes it could have been a half a million attended Jews attended this and more, this Passover feast. And here they are. And here there's a multitude under their nose, under this place where there's five porticos, under this place, that portico was open at the sides and it was closed at the top. And here were such a vast mass of humanity. The joints and the muscles were seized up. There was no strength. They were weak. They were crippled. All they could do was lie. Tell you there was no social distance or environmental health here. And they were blind and they were lame. And the lame ones shuffled to get in when the pool moved and they didn't make it. And this man that was there was the worst case of all. He was on his back. He was lying. He was depending on somebody else to bring him down. The man that was blind, when he, when he could hear the shuffle, the man that was blind, he could, he could shuffle down towards the water. But this man couldn't do anything. God help you, sir. What must have went through that man's mind in 38 years? He was afflicted with this terrible thing. And then it says they were withered. Hands and feet withered. This was no spa or massage parlor, let me tell you. They say that the smell reeked in the hot sun round the temple courts and the cries of the people. And there they were, the multitude of people coming here. They were, my friend. Listen, they're coming up for the feast. They have their lambs and they have their sacrifices and they have their pigeons. 
And they have their skull caps on and they're nodding to the priest and they're nodding to the, to, to the Jews. And they're singing the Hallelujah Psalms. Psalm 116 and onward. Oh Lord, you know we love you. Oh Lord, we praise you. Oh Lord, we give you thanks. They were the greatest shower of hypocrites. All they could care about this man when he got healed and got delivered after 38 years that he was breaking the Sabbath. Few of any cared for this helpless, hopeless, powerless. All he had was the law. My friend, the law is weak in that it cannot save. Around the beautiful gate of this temple were thousands of people that didn't give that for this multitude of people. The Holy Spirit has described them very well. Talk about a fallen world. Are we any better this morning? We have buildings, I declare, across our land and they cost three million pounds. And we'll flock to them with our suits and our ties and our hats and our Bibles. Do we care that about the lost and the perishing out there this morning? Be honest now. And that's why I thank God for the men and women from this church and other churches that take the message out into the streets. Thank God for Stephen and Ewan and Robert and young Jordan and others. Stand on the street and declare the gospel. Tell the drug addict, listen, we love you. Who would want to have anything to do with the most of us? Tell the drug addict that I love you. Tell the sodomite I love you. Preach the gospel. Tell them Jesus loves you, which is greater than all. Oh, God, help us. Save us from legalism and ritualism and tradition. And where there's no vision, the people perish. There's a lost and perishing world out under our nose this morning. And I can honestly say from my heart, do I really care? See, there's the state of the sanctuary, there's the scene on the streets, but there's a symbolical statement here. There's a symbolical statement here. Verse 2 says, the sheep gate. That was where the sacrificial lamb went in and through to be slain at the Passover lamb. And that speaks to me of hope. Because, my friend, there's, there's hope for the hopeless. There's hope for the blind. There's hope for the lame. There's hope for the halt. There's hope for the withered. Or the withered. Behold, listen, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Symbolically, my friend, I preach the gospel lovingly from this lovely faith in through the sheep gate. You know, the sheep gate was the only gate mentioned twice in Nehemiah's walls when he built them. It mentioned at the beginning and at the end. 
Started at the cross and ending at the cross. And once we get away from the preaching of the cross to them that perish, we have no message. Once we get away from repentance through the blood of Jesus and the risen, exalted Christ, we have lost the plot. There's hope for the hopeless this morning. The gospel still is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Not only there's hope, but there's mercy. You know what Bethesda means? The house of mercy. Mercy has come to this house in Jerusalem this day. See, the Word of God says that the Lord is merciful and He's gracious and He's long-suffering and He's full of tender mercies. There's hope, there's mercy, and there's grace. Those five porticos, five is the figure of grace in the Word of God. And you trace up the word five and you'll find that it's full of grace. The grace of God in leading. You know, when they came out of his, when they came out of Egypt, they were led out in ranks of five. The grace of God in protecting five stones David took from the brook when he faced Goliath. He only needed one of them, but there was five smooth stones. The grace of God in protecting you. Listen, the grace of God will protect you this week. And the grace of God will lead you this week. And the grace of God will supply to you this week five barley loaves and two fish. Oh, five's the figure of grace. By grace are you saved through faith. I have to go on from nearly finished. The state of the sanctuary, the scene on the streets. And here's what I want to hit and close. The sight of a soul. The Lord Jesus didn't pass this crowd by. He didn't turn away from this mass of inhumanity and stench. He went right into the midst of the lovely, holy, gentle Savior. And he fixed his eyes upon one man out of the multitude. Maybe he's fixing his eyes spiritually on you this morning. You never thought you'd be in here listening to this. But there's no mistakes with God. Maybe he's sitting, sitting his eyes on you, just you, not, not the crowd in the barn or the crowd here or there or anywhere else, just on you this morning. He has come for you this morning. I thank God the night that he came for me. Now don't you be asking me why he only healed and saved and delivered one man out of this multitude when in one word he could have delivered them all. I don't know. 
And I can't answer you that. And don't be asking me why he chose Judas to, to destruction and not the rest of them. I don't know. I can't answer that. If I could answer these things, I'd be God, and I'm not God. And don't ask me why he loved Jacob and hated Esau. And I get hard to understand that, for Jacob was a far bigger rascal than Esau. I don't understand it. Don't you ask me why he chose me out of all the thousands of Protestant people, Methodists and Cuneites in Fermanagh, and left many of them? I can't answer it. Nor can I answer from my wife Pat why he chose her out of good, decent Catholic people, thousands of them. And in a few hours, saved us both. I can't understand that. All I have to do is to bow and thank God that he saw me in my sins and in my need. Maybe he chose this man because he was the worst. Maybe he chose this man because he was the longest of them all. I don't know. But I do know that he knew all about him because the word tells me that. Jesus knew that he was a long time. You think somebody whispered in his ear, there's a boy there and he's 38 years. No, no, the Lord doesn't need anybody to whisper in his ear anything. Just sit tight now. Doesn't need anybody to whisper anything in his ear because he's the omniscient God. He knows all things, he sees all things, he hears all things. He knows where you were born, he knows you before you were born, as you'll hear in a minute. He knows what family you would have, he knows what ailments you'd have, he knows what sickness you have, and he knows the very day and hour you're going to die and how you're going to die and where you're going to go after you die. He knows all that. He's God. He knew all about this man. He says, you're a long time. Mother, he knows what's in your heart this morning. And there's mother, mothers here this morning, listening to me even this morning, and your heart's broken. And you smile and you shake hands and all the rest, but way down deep in the heart, there's a broken heart this morning. Maybe a husband that has left you. Maybe a child that has gone astray. Maybe a sickness that's eaten at you. But I want to say to you, God loves you this morning. And there's not a throb nor throw, but his heart doesn't know, but he feels it above. He mightn't understand it, and it might never be explained to you, but he knows. Bless his name, he knows. Father, he knows you're concerned about your job and your family and the future. He knows that that hurt, that wound, that grievance, do you know what the scripture calls that? 
calls it predestination. Simply means before this man and you and me were formed in our mother's womb, God knew us. David could say, in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, in my womb I was born as I was a sinner, even in my womb before I came out of it. Paul the Apostle says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. You know, sometimes when I'm praying, I go around the, I go around the mountains, around Aragonley, not more. Oh, that towering, massive, massive, knock more, stone hanging out over the whole town. I go around the bars of Bow and I go around Maho, that big mountain looking out over the bottom of the Loch Ern, and I say, Lord, before those were even formed, you knew me. And it boggles my mind. And I'll tell you what, stimulates me to pray. And the praise. He says to Job, Before I formed you in the womb, or Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew thee. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide to the day is done. There's not a friend like the lovely Jesus. No, not one. Oh, friends, listen. Can you see the Son of God picking his steps through this hellhole? Looking into the eyes of one man. And from the in predestination follows the invitation. Wilt thou be made healthy? Wilt thou be made whole? If it is said to him, Do you want to go to hell? A boy would have said, no, I don't want to go to hell. No, sir. Do, do, you, do you just want to be healed physically? He might have said, yes, sir. You see, it's not physical healing that's important. Christ didn't die for the body. He died for our souls. You may have a physical ailment and God help you and you'll just have to suffer with it because everybody's not going to be healed. But get your eyes off it and get your eyes onto your ever-dying soul. Would you, would, 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 would you, would you like to be healed? I, I think he might have said I would. The question here is, do you above everything else want to be spiritually made whole? Now I'll show you that now as it close. Do you want to be utterly changed and set free? In other words, do you want to be done with all your sin? Because we read there, didn't we, in verse 14, that Jesus said when he found him in the temple, go and sin no more or a worse thing will come on you. What could be any worse than this? Why did Jesus say that to him? Go and sin no more. And he's saying that it was, it was because of sin that, was, that had him there in that condition for 38 years. Now, everybody that's sick and an ailing is not because of sin, and don't get me wrong. But here, the, the Holy Spirit chooses to tell us 
Jesus said to him, you go now and sin no more, lest a worse thing will come on you. What could be worse than that other than hell? I wonder what the sin was. We don't know. Will you tell me this morning that men that sin, my friend, can be afflicted physically? You just look at AIDS and a whole raft of other stuff that's going on today. What you need to do that the Lord says you go and sin no more. He says, take up your bed. Take up your mat. Take up your pallet. Why did he say that to him? There's no provision for relapse. There's no going back. When you put your hand to the plow, there's no going back. There's no use you saying this morning, oh, I'll ask the Lord to save me, but, 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 but what, about the, what about this, what about that, what about the other? I'll make provision. I'll, I'll go back. If it doesn't work, I'll go back. You'll never get saved at that carry-on. What you need to do this morning is do what this man did. You need immediately to rise up. And God's calling you this morning. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be cleansed from sin? Do you want to get victory over lust and pornography and filth and everything else? Do you want, do you want a new, be a new creature? Do you want to live in the joy of the Lord with sins forgiven and peace with God and be able to sing with joy in your heart that you're going to heaven and you have every, everything in your heart tells you, I'm going to heaven and I'm glad. Is that what you want this morning? Or do you want to thrill after some old secret sin that you're damning and just damning you for years? Well, it'll take you to hell if you don't repent of it and forsake it and flee. Maybe he's speaking to you for the last time. Do you want forgiveness from lying, from cheating? Do you want cleansing from adultery? Fornication, temper, fear, envy, pride? Do you want to stay the way you are? Just a few words the Lord spoke to this man. But listen, there's power in the word. What power was in this word? He didn't enter into a conversation with him or with anybody else. He says, do you want to be, do you want to be saved? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be spiritually delivered? Do you want victory? Do you want to walk out of here? Do you want sins forgiven? Do you want peace with God? Do you want all that? If you want it, take your mat and get up and walk and get out. Pure, unadulterated act of faith. By grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. Don't be depending on some angel or some apparition or somebody to drag you down into an old dirty pool that'll only put you worse. Come to the living Savior today. Come to the one who died and rose again for you. Leave the old things behind. And then there was the accusation. He says, I have no man. Listen, get your eyes of men again. Let me say that. I have no man. Maybe this was only an excuse. You know, a lot of people say, oh, nobody cares for me. Nobody rang me. Nobody wrote to me when I was sick. There may have been plenty of men to help us. Maybe he didn't want help. I don't know. Lastly, there's the reaction. 
The living word of the living God. He reacted to it. He moved on it. He got down and he lifted the mat and he, by faith he rose up. I tell you, it must have been a mighty miracle for if you're 38 years and all your joints. He was made perfectly whole in one moment by the Creator. And he can do the same with you spiritually. He woke up, he stood up, he lifted up, and he walked out. And where did he go? Well, it tells us he went to the temple, the house of God. That's where the Lord found. That's where the Lord needs to find, you know, in the Lord's day morning and evening and in the prayer meetings, he needs to find you in the house of God. For you have to be in the house of God with God's people to survive in these days. And I hear amens and I know that people know that. God found him in the house of God. And then he confessed. The old Jews tackled him. Who is this man? He says, Jesus has made me whole. He's not ashamed of the Lord. Yeah, he says, it was Jesus that made me whole. Are you ashamed of him? Believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Take him by faith this morning. Say, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand all of this. How would you? But Lord, I want to be clean. Are you clean this morning? Are you convicted this morning about things? That's the Holy Spirit. Are you contented this morning? Well, he says, if you're not, listen, listen. I'll give you my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. That world can't give you peace. My peace I give unto you. He wants to give you peace, mother, peace, perfect peace in this world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Let us pray.